The title of the message this morning is God Breaks You to Make You. God Breaks You to Make You. And the automated texting system might be sending out the link to this. And I think pretty much everyone this morning is going to know someone who needs to hear this and be encouraged. So you can send that to them. Tell them to, to, to listen to this important message. Because this is where the sets the men apart from the boys. Have you heard that saying? This is where the rubber meets the road in this process of breaking. And we are still in Revelation 12. I was going to finish Revelation 12, but there are two verses that caught my attention that we can put up that I wanted to kind of springboard off of them into this topic. Revelation 12:11. remember a couple weeks ago, they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Then Revelation 12:17. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Who's that? Believers. Depending on when you think this was written or what it pertains to, the bottom line is he is making war against believers. Those who keep God's commandments and they hold fast their testimony about Jesus. And so I want to talk to you more a couple weeks ago, but just didn't get the time on this topic of testimony. It's so important, even on Twitter as well. I mentioned that again. All these, you know, some of these major church leaders falling and others ruining their testimony and the testimony is at stake. And a testimony is so important. It is so important because your kids are watching your testimony, not what you say. Remember the poem I like to quote on Father's Day? I don't think I can remember it, but wait, come back Father's Day. I remember a little bit. The lessons you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. We are in a war for our testimony. I am, you are. That's where the enemy is going to come after us. In this area of testimony. That's why it's so important to hold our ground. And God breaks you to make you. God will break you to make you. And God often prepares you before He places you. I've got a lot of cute little sayings during this sermon, but it'll, 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 it'll hit some of you where it needs to hit. God prepares you before He places you. Reading from Streams in the Desert, a devotional written in the 1940s, I would highly encourage you to, to sign up for them as well as Oswald Chambers. My utmost for His highest. They can email it to you every day. And it's just amazing the insight a lot of these people have. Some of the storms of life come suddenly. A great sorrow, a bitter disappointment, a crushing defeat. Anybody been there? Yet it is in the storm that God equips us for service. When God wants an oak tree, He plants it on the moor where the storms will shake it and the rains will beat down upon it. And it, 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 it is in the midnight battle with the elements that the oak wins its rugged fiber and becomes king of the forest. When God wants to make a man, He puts him into some storm. The history of manhood is always rough and rugged. 
No man is made until he has been out into the surge of the storm and has found fulfillment in that wonderful prayer, Oh God, take me, break me, and make me. That's a powerful prayer. Take me, make me, break me. The broken, brokenness is a blessing. The power of brokenness. What does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Keep listening. You'll know exactly what it means in about 45 minutes. But think about this, the disappointments of childhood, the pain of parenting, and the loneliness of getting older. All of these wilderness experiences do have a purpose. One of the hardest things, I think, for any parent after losing a child is watching God break that child. Or maybe out of sin or, or disobedience. There's a brokenness and you see your child going through and as much as you want to pull them out of that storm, sometimes you have to let them stay in that storm to get stronger. Did you know that babies would never walk if we didn't let them? If you just carried around the baby, never let them develop their muscles. So the enemy wants to destroy our testimonies, especially as things get worse. Compromise begins to enter in even more. The enemy is after your testimony as a believer. I want you to think about this. If salvation is a gift from God, initiated by the act of the will, as many people say, if you reject Him or accept Him, if salvation is that gift from God, the person initiated by the act of the will, then destroying that person's testimony definitely hinders people coming to the Lord. Many of the Samaritans believe because of the woman at the well's testimony. Isn't that true? You see so many, so many testimonies of people that it's hard to watch. And we've seen a lot of testimonies. Praise God, there's, there's tons of still success stories, but I wish I could tell you that every success story is, is ending well. Many back in their addictions, many have left their marriage. You see even leaders, you know, pastors, well-known pastors, all this, this controversy and falling and, and it's, it, it hurts the flock. And that's why we often say never look at a man or a movement, look at the cross. If you follow me around for a week, you'll see things come out. Anybody get upset in traffic? They take your parking spot you wanted? Maybe raise your voice when you, if you follow people around, that, that flesh comes out sometimes. And our testimony, as, especially as, when, when Christians are new to the faith and they see people falling, it can really set them back. Many of us, we've been around enough to where such and such on TV or the radio or whatever is not going to... It's sad and, and it net, let, lets the wind out of my cell, but I understand the nature of man. And I'm going to follow Christ regardless of what men do. I just shared yesterday, I think it's when God develops your character by John Bevere and his wife Lisa are doing a podcast. They've had some incredible insight. He said, don't let your platform get bigger than your character. We could just pause right there, right? And let that 
let that kind of sink in a little bit. I did. Like, Lord, help me. Just, I don't, I, I, this character has to be, be able to sustain what you're calling us to. Because your anointing will take you somewhere, but it's your character that keeps you there. And I'm going to talk with the men about this in February and the Saturday mornings that we're doing. Once a month, I've committed to meet with the men, pray with them, talk with them, kind of open my heart uh, just for men only. If we film it, maybe ladies, you can watch it later. But, uh, but that's so important. Character is what stands the test of time. That's what I'm fighting for every day. That's what you're fighting for every day. That's why we apologize to our spouses. We apologize for, to our kids. We want to make that difference. But I want to share a key with you so it will encourage you. Not all brokenness is from God. Because people can get bitter at God. Why are you allowing this? Have you ever asked the why questions? You guys are not participating. I know it's hard, right? It's like, yeah. Really what that often means? Why? Who has hurt you? doesn't spell exactly that. Who, who, what, what, something has hurt you and I've become bitter at God. But regardless of where the brokenness comes from, God can use it. Thank God for that. Can you imagine? Can, can you just imagine if, if God's Word said something like, but in these situations, you're kind of on your own. You, you've drifted too far. I can't, ah, Satan's got you on this. I don't know what to do on these. So that's why you need to stay here. Could you imagine? Talk about going insane. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good. The reason I stopped there is I've heard so many people quote it and stop there. You don't, you can't stop there. There's not even a comma. Oh, brother, you know, I think God works everything for good. Well, there's kind of a little bit more to that. To those who love God. Now, how do we know we love God? Jesus said, and Scripture teaches, that we obey His Word. Correct? Yes, obedience is very important. But obedience must flow from a joyful heart. If you're obedient, but you're critical and mean, you're almost like the Pharisee. And so, yeah, I love God. I follow His Word. And that's, this is actually why I come up with a lot of those names, right? Prune Face Pam. There's a Pam here. It didn't mean you. Where are you at, Pam? Didn't mean you. Okay. I just wrote these down. Nobody, there's a Carrie here too. I better not say all these things. Prune Face Pam, Critical Carrie, Bitter Barbara. Don't worry, man. I've got a few for you. Legalistic Larry, Arrogant Andy, and Judgmental Jeff. All these people obey the Word of God, but they're as hard as stone. That's not a person who loves God. You love your theology. And you're arrogant. You want to be right about certain things. And again, we all struggle with this. You know, us, as I said in a video I just put out recently, uh, uh, us truth guys, right? Anybody truth guys? 
Do you lean more towards truth or love? Just a few of you? I'm going to start pointing you guys out here in a minute. Because I know who you are. I don't say you're all truth and no love. I say when you lean, you're going to... It's, all, it's about the truth, right? Okay. And then there's the love side. Oh, just... just Henry, I knew it. Yeah, good call. Just, just, just love them. And, just, and that's good. But biblically speaking, we've got to come back to the middle and have that truth and love. Both of those. He works all things to those who are the called according to His purpose. So, I better line up with His purpose. And that often involves repenting. That's why I talk about repentance a lot. Not only is it great for somebody who doesn't know the Lord to come to saving faith, but it's also good to get the Christian back on track. It's basically how we clean house. It's January. Everybody's talking about juice cleanses and cleansing the body. (laughs) Repentance is spiritual cleansing. Because it gets the joy of the Lord back into our heart. Then if we love God, our attitude's right, we repent. Lord, I want to do Your will. Then everything that happens, He will work out for His good. Not necessarily what we want, but His good. And then Job, I love this verse. But He knows the way I take when He has tested me. I shall come forth as gold. It's interesting, right? If you have a, anybody have a 14 carat ring or 24 John Bevere talked about this too, 24 carat, that's not pure gold. Once you put that gold in the furnace, that's why the Bible talks about furnace of affliction, then those things begin to come out. The dross, the impurities, and then what's left over is the pure gold. So Job, in essence, is saying, he's tested me in these wilderness experiences, in these difficulties, and these things come out of me to eventually better me. Now, on this side of heaven, there's no perfect person walking around. But aren't you glad, many of you, you're a lot better than you used to be? I, I pray with people often. They're like, Shane, I can't believe the Lord took away my anger. I used to get so mad. And I prayed for God to take it away and it got harder. Do you ever do that? The reason is, it's coming out. These things are coming out of you. So often when you want these things out, things don't get easier and life calm. You go through the storms and the challenges to bring these things out and repent. Some of, some of us have given up anger because we're just so disgusted as to what, at what it causes. God's got us to, to such a place of brokenness that those, those impurities came out. Lust, the impurity of lust comes out as well. I mean, you could, I could apply this to so many different areas where we come forth as gold in our attitude, in our mind, in our physical appetites, all just things to purify us, to get us closer to look like Christ. Second Corinthians 1.4, God comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Another reason for brokenness. And don't, don't you feel so good when you can talk to somebody and help them because God brought you through? 
Often, often, not always, but often your deepest pain, your deepest struggle, as God's taking you through, that's going to be your greatest place of anointing. That's going to be your greatest work of, of what you're going to do for God, praying for people in this specific area that He brought you through. Because it's hard to bring someone through something you've never been through. How many can relate? I love when people who have no kids give me parenting advice. Oh, you should come and talk to me in a few years. It's funny, Moses had to live in the wilderness before he took them through the wilderness. That's why I've talked about this on podcasts before and at pastors' conferences and things. But And I'm all for whenever God calls a person, whatever age. But if you're young and you're a pastor... You might want to, you know, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. You know, you might want to sit underneath some seasoned leadership for a while because you don't know enough to take people through the pain of pastoring. You can't relate to this. You don't understand this. All you're worried about is sermon preparation and how well you did. And seminary didn't teach me this. God often calls people even sometimes later as they go through challenges. I thank God I, He didn't call me young. It's hard, as it, it's hard as it is older. It's hard as it is. Psalm 119, many of you like this one as well. Verse 67, I, I chose the Amplified version. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. You could say, before the police got involved. How, how real do you guys want me to be this morning? Before the police got involved, I was cocky. I was doing my own thing. Before I got home and I saw that letter on the table, I'm leaving and I'm taking the kids. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. And I, I don't like this about us, but that's the truth. God has to keep us back to, mm, come back here, come, cause we're like all excited and we get, now we do, now we start to stray and we're, Every time the children of Israel strayed from the Lord is because of prosperity often. Their prosperity and their blessing became a curse. Even in the wilderness. Oh, we just have this stupid manna from heaven. If God was making food for me, people don't know what diet's best. I'm pretty sure that was a perfect food. But they were complaining, grumbling, complaining, and then God brings them out. Joshua, there's not a lot of complaining. They're just obeying. and brings them into the promised land. That things are going great. And then they start to stray. Solomon strayed because of that. David even started to stray because of that. The kings would stray and the prophets would try to get them back. Return to the Lord. Oh, backsliding Israel. They didn't, they didn't stray very often in, their, in, their, in the war time and in the difficult times. They strayed in the prosperity. Why is that? Because it makes us lazy. I like what one of the, I think it was Jeremiah. You are acting like well-fed, lusty stallions. Neighing at your neighbor's wife. They didn't hold out any punches. Right? You become fat and lazy. That's what they said. And that's what does comfort does to us. Comfort. Comfort. If we're not careful. So God, in His mercy, will leave us sometimes in very difficult situations that don't make sense. 
But I do want to talk about life-changing brokenness versus life-maintaining brokenness. There are moments where life changes and you are thrown into the situation and you could say God is breaking you or He's using. Because people say, are you, are you saying that God caused my divorce? No, but He used it. He used it to, to bring that, that, allowed it, I should say, as well, to bring you to that spot. So there's life-changing brokenness where you're just at your wit's end and you finally cry out to God. But there's also life-maintaining brokenness. Because once you get there, when God broke me around 1999-2000, when He broke me, I didn't stay there, naturally. Right? Again, everything's going good doing this, and you start to get prideful, arrogant. God said, I'm going to have to slap him again. And how you do that is you put others first. You, you work on being gentle and calm and seasoning your words with grace and, and staying plugged into a home group or plugged into a church or coming. That's why we do a lot of events, you know, uh, Sacred assembly nights or morning worship or when, you know, we do all these things to help people keep, stay broken and fed and refueled. And, and you have to maintain, and sometimes even as a Christian, God will use things to wake you up and break you again. Break you again. If heaven has called you, hell will attack you. And when you're broken, God may finally get your attention. But here's an important key. Don't stay in the broken state. I really wanted to drive this home. I wish I had more time to. Don't stay broken. Don't stay broken. God doesn't break us so we stay broken and bitter and unproductive and walk around like this, right? Can't think of a good word. Gloomy Louie. You know, just always broken. Broken by... There's, there's, there's something about God's pleasure too. God wants us to experience His pleasure. I just, I just heard this guy on Focus on the Family this week and I posted on my Facebook page his book. I'm just starting to read it so I can't endorse it because I haven't got through, you know, because they'll hold you to everything you, you say on camera. Um, I don't even know the title, but he talked about, and, and for those truth people again, you can, you can drift to this, you know, can't have fun side. The do, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I'm the don't God, and I'm, I'm obeying God's Word. And he said, that's like, and I can totally relate, I go out back in the summer, I watch my kids play and take pleasure in the trampoline and the, the playing, right, I take pleasure. If they, what, what happens when they sulk and they go sit on the porch and say, I'm not having fun, I don't want to do this anymore. It breaks my heart. And I never really made that that God takes pleasure in the pleasure and joy of His people. And, and, and we want to celebrate the, the, the things that take pleasure. And that's what actually happens with addiction, is we tar- start to take pleasure in the things that God has not ordained. And we start to exchange those pleasures. So don't stay in that broken state. The broken person needs to just repent and, and start to experience the, the joy of the Lord again. Most don't seek the Lord until there is pressure. Anybody say amen to that? Many of us don't seek the Lord until there is pressure. 
Can you imagine if the top five political problems right now didn't exist? And these are big these are big issues. These are big issues facing our nation. And it's pressuring a lot of people. And that's my concern. Instead of getting humble and broken, they're getting angry and arrogant. Like, oh, like that's going to fix it? God uses difficult times to pressure us. Could it be that He loves America so much that He is allowing some pressure? Only when our hand is forced do we yield. When our back is to the wall and our fleshly attempts at deliverance are all washed away. Michael Catt, he goes on to say, the blessing of God cannot come without the wrestling. If there is no willingness to yield, there will never be willingness for God to rule. Brokenness breaks brazen attitudes. It pummels our prideful hearts and it annihilates arrogance. Thank God for the broken road that led me straight to Him. We should pray, God, thank You for brokenness. Thank You for humbling me. Thank You, Lord, that I'm able to, 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 to now look back and say, oh God, use those t- turning points in my life. So don't necessarily look for brokenness, but if God breaks you, embrace it. I even started to look back, I wrote, and I don't want this to be about me, but sometimes it helps, you know, to give people some idea. I, I started to think back on my life, all the different, I mean, even Little League. I remember I was like the number one pitcher. People were coming all out to watch. They're clocking me on this, you know, 63, 64 miles an hour. And, and man, and, and, and this, you know, my dad brings me in, baser loaded, no outs, and I strike everybody out. And now we're going to champ. And, and then I had to have arm surgery. That's why I still can't straighten it. Then I need physical therapy on it. You know what physical therapy was, was back then? The doctor said, carry around a, a heavy can of soup all day. To straighten it out. But then I go into high school, Paraclete High School. Still was really good. They were really good in baseball back then. And I didn't even make the, the team for a couple years. Because I couldn't, I couldn't throw anymore. The humbling. The, but I look back now, thank God. Because you see some of these athletes, I've never seen more pride in all my life. My goodness, so you'd think they'd walk on water. And God uses these, these humbling things. And then high school, so much humbling took place. And, and you walk out there, you're kind of like the limp, right? Of, of God just breaking and breaking, trying to get this pride out of you. Trying to get this pride out of you. I want to share a clip too. Let me set it up. I think we have it ready. I was actually, the oldest film footage I found of me in 24-hour fitness. And I was the top salesman in California, Southern California uh, with hundreds and hundreds of employees. That was my goal. That was my God. Into bodybuilding. And then I'll show you a clip where I, the next convention I came up and I was in third place. Not first anymore. I was so mad. I remember it. But it would be funny even to show you how much um, just God has even changed my heart. It's on the video this, that the church put out. Arrogant, arrogant, arrogant.
All right, that's good. It sets the stage. I lost a lot of weight since then, by in case you can't tell. But anyway, that was my that was my God. Working out, being the strongest guy in the gym, and then God allows something called myopericarditis at 24. I'm in the hospital for four days. Did that humble me? Nope. And then God started to take the this number one, then number three, and now your area is not doing that great. Now we need to demote you because you have to keep beating yourself. Corporate America, many of you guys know, you have to keep beating same store growth every year. And when you don't, they demote you. Corporate America doesn't play around if you're not hitting the numbers. And these breaking, and this breaking, and this breaking. It's and and, and that's how God makes a man or woman of God is they get all these things out of you. Although not perfect. Amen? <laughs> but there's a process where, where God breaks you and breaks you and breaks you. Some of the greatest moments in your life come in the darkest hours. Some of the greatest intimacy you will ever have from God come in the silent times. Many of you know people who are going through hell right now. You need to encourage them with all of this. When God breaks you and then rebuilds you, it's, it's incredible. God is often the potter and we are the clay, correct? But this potter actually breaks the clay and then softens it to rebuild it. There's three tests during a trial when God is breaking you that you need to be aware of. We give up sometimes and we quit. It's either too hard, too long, or too slow. Anybody relate? Lord, this is too hard. So I'm doing something that God's called me to do, and I become bitter, and I run from my calling, or what He's called you to do. It could be a marriage, it could be anything. Think about if pastors did that. This, this is too hard. I don't need to put up with this. Let me go get a 9 to 5 and, and have an easy life. Too hard. Too long. Lord, please. Please, what's taking so long? And then we jump out, out of ship. We jump off the ship. The difference between too long and too short is this. For example, when we, you know, if we drive to see my family in Idaho, <coughs> it's hard for us because it's too long a <laughs> drive, right? But, if we do make the drive and we go 10 miles an hour, then it's too slow. Things are not happening quick enough. And often God uses the situation to where, so where all three of these have been dealt with. Lord, I don't care how hard it is, You are my strength. I don't care how long it takes because those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And I don't care if it's too slow because waiting time is not wasted time. And when the heart is right, then God begins to shape that man or woman of character even more. The promised land wasn't given to them in one battle. Oh boy, we could camp out on that. Think about it. All these battles we want to, you know, I want to win next week. I want, I want this to be over. Sometimes it's city by city. They didn't go in. I, I don't think they ever conquered all of it. And it took years and years and years. And so, that's one thing why I don't give up on America. Because there are some battles. 
I mean, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, how many churches didn't say anything? Well, they're, they're revealing their true colors. Oh, but this caused this for, I don't know, I'm just, I'm glad that happened after 50 years of prayer, right? And some things are, are battles, daily battles. We overcome this, then this happens. We overcome this, then this happens. That's why it's a constant struggle. When a bone is broken, it is set in place to heal. So, there's so many different mixed um, stories in this room. Some of you have, have, could preach the same sermon, probably even better. Others of you, I don't know, I haven't really been broken yet. Well, hold on, honey. I'm preparing people for that. When something is broken, it's then set in place to heal. And we can't run from that process. And then there's three responses during this trial that are so important. Wisdom. Wisdom. I keep encountering this a lot when I'm giving counsel to people. You know, we're waiting. We, do you like when God writes the, the answer up in the sky? Maybe with a chemtrail? Right? Don't give me... But, oh, if He would just tell me. He would just tell me. And I tell a lot of people, you know, God gives us wisdom for a reason. God gives us... Pastor, I don't know if I need to fast. Well, you know you have a lot of health issues. I don't know. You, you might need to make some changes. Wisdom. I don't know if I should buy that car. They're $80,000 now, and I really like these electric cars. Uh, you're not going to be able to pay that. Wisdom. Wisdom. So through the brokenness and through these trials, what is wise? What is the right thing to do? Wisdom is the principal thing, Proverbs says. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all your understanding, get more wisdom. She will exalt you. She will promote you. And I know as Christians, especially as Christians who believe that the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit can still speak to us today or lead us today, not equal to Scripture, not above Scripture, but sometimes we need a little help. Lord prompting, directing. And sometimes we rely on that more than wisdom. I feel this leading. Is it wise? Does it line up with Scripture? Have you waited on God? How many times do we just rush into something because of fear? Just me? Rush into something because of fear. What's that food storage? You know, the last 25 years you buy those boxes? I've got like eight boxes taking up a closet from COVID time. Food chain's going to be shut down. Call this number. Boom! But is it okay to have that stuff? Sure. It's okay to be, I think it's wise to have extra water, extra, that's just wisdom because you're providing for your family. You're not doing it out of fear. But then sometimes we do make decisions out of fear. So what is, what is wise? And I've learned over the long haul that God often doesn't want me to make a quick impulsive decision without waiting on Him. I can't tell you how many times I've changed my my mind on things that I move too quickly on. But waiting on the Lord. That was number two. Wait on Him. And then as you're waiting, you worship. Why is that so, why is that so important? Because you can have wisdom and you can be waiting and then you can become critical and bitter. I know a lot of people using wisdom and waiting on God, but they're not happy about it. And they'll let you know. 
If He doesn't answer me by next month, I'm taking this matter in my own hands. I don't know what's taking so long. Well, it's probably going to take a long time until you get your attitude straight. I know there are some things that God has for this church I've been praying about for a long time. But if we're not ready, it's not going to come. But be encouraged. Be encouraged. I don't know if I put this point up here. Some things are better broken. Some things are better broken. Correct? So be encouraged. If God is breaking you, some things are better broken. Broken crowns still color. Weather gloves still catch. And broken up soil must happen in order for plants to be planted. That's why God told one of the prophets, either Hosea or Amos or one of them, break up your follow ground. It is time to seek the Lord. Break up that follow ground. They knew what it meant. The the ground had grown hard and stony and nothing can penetrate. The water would hit it and just kind of flow away in order to grow something, in order for God to do something in that harvest. They had to go and take these tools and break up that follow ground. And then He paralleled that to their heart. Break up the follow ground to your heart. I know you've been a Christian a long time, but you're condescending and arrogant. You are just as hard as a rock. I know you've been a Christian for a while, but you have no joy. You're so selfish and arrogant. I know you've been a Christian for a while, but you've been treating your spouse like she or he's or whatever is just is is chopped meat. I don't know. You, you put, fill in the blank, right? And and I know you. And I've been a Christian, but I've got all this hardness is built up. Anybody can relate? Because life will jade you. Life will make you hard. That's what happens with our law enforcement officers and and correctional officers. That's why I have to pray for them. It can happen to pastors too. Become jaded and hurt, and that that stone that just builds up, break that follow ground. Thank God, broken crowns still color. I like that. The reason I like it is because I remember I don't know what what daughter it was of mine, but they came in. They were so they're they're crying. They're like, my crown is broke. My crown, my new crown is broken, Dad. It's my favorite color. I said, that's okay. The color's even better. It makes the big, broad pictures. It colors in the lines even better. This type of crown is much better for what we're trying to do. God knows how to break a man. He knows how to break a person and get that person to the point of desperation. Because when you come out of that desperation, you begin to seek Him like never before. The fullness of the Spirit begins to dwell inside of you. Joy and peace with the, 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 the you can't explain comes into your heart. God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. Broken, broken, broken. He rebuilds the broken and He elevates the humble. Don't stay broken. Don't stay battered. And don't stay bitter. Maybe some of you need to hear that. Don't stay broken, battered, and bitter. I know people in this church who that applies to. And I pray for them. Their brokenness and what they've went through in life has caused them to become bitter and angry and frustrated. And I'm not minimizing what people go through. But if you don't get on your face before God and repent and say, God, please get me back up on the right. I want the joy of the Lord to return. 
I want the joy. You think God's going to say, no, not right now. You're going to have to wait a few weeks. Now, it might take some time to get certain things out of us, because I believe that's why God doesn't completely deliver or answer that prayer right away. Let's say I'm praying, I'm praying, Lord, I need that joy back. I need that peace back. Oh, Lord, please, I need it. Oh. Holy Spirit comes upon you. Right, and, it's, and that happens sometimes. Without, I, I can't even tell you how many times that has happened. But there's other times where, okay, hot shot, you have to humble yourself. Go tell that person, sorry, stop holding in that bitterness. That unfor- oh, no, 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 no. Well, the joy's not coming until you do something. We forget that sometimes the Scriptures tell us to do something. God didn't say, I'll break up the follow ground. Don't worry, sit at home. Go pick up Krispy Kreme, watch Reacher. And all break up the follow ground. He said, you, you break up the follow ground. So in the breaking process, there is responsibility on our end. Because you can play broken to others and not truly be broken. And so to some of you, also I'd ask the question, what's it going to take to break you? What's it going to take to break you? I've seen Christians being broken by God who are not receptive. And I wonder, what in the world is it going to take you? What's it going to take in our nation to break us? This year is going to have a lot of surprises. I can tell you that much. Are we going to become fearful and attack our political opposite and think that somebody's going to get in office and save us? At this point, at this point, nobody is coming to save you. Only God. Only God. I love this verse, Isaiah. I dwell. God says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. God says, I will dwell with you. I will revive you if you're humble. I will revive the contrite ones. That's an incredible promise. I dwell with those who are humble and broken and contrite. But the arrogant, I what? Push away. Remember that verse I learned when I first came back to the Lord? It just really stood out. Um, I think Ezekiel, he said, I will bring back the broken. I will strengthen the sick. I will heal, or heal the sick. I will strengthen those who are weak. But the fat, the proud, the arrogant, I will feed in judgment, thus saith the Lord. And I just highlighted that. I mean, the, the, when it says the fat, the proud, it means a lot of times they're gluttony. Their lascivious living, their partying had turned into this, this hard lifestyle. And God said, I will, I will resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. When God gets us alone through suffering, heartbreak, temptation, disappointment, sickness, or by our desires not coming to pass, my dreams have died. Anybody relate? He absolutely gets us alone. And then we are totally speechless, unable to ask even one question. Then He begins to teach us. Oswald Chambers. 
And I, I sat there for a while and I pondered. I'm like, you know what? He's right. The times I've been really taught by God were not in times of, of prosperity and, and joy and things going great. He teaches us through that affliction. Michael Catt, again, from his book, The Power of Desperation, Breakthroughs in Our Brokenness, and I highly recommend it. He said they sing on Sunday about the cross and then they live in deception, manipulation, and lies during the week. As a pastor, I see this a lot and it breaks my heart. What happens on Sunday has very little to do with how they live the rest of their lives until they face a crisis. Isn't that interesting? The lukewarm Christian has to go through some fire to be heated up. As I said before, thank God for young pastors. We need more of them. But the sooner they understand the blessing of brokenness and the power of humility, the better they will be at leading others. And A.W. Tozer said it's doubtful. It's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. The saying also goes, it's doubtful that God can use a man powerfully and mightily until he has hurt him deeply. Because it takes broken people to break people. And it's so important, this, this topic is so important. Then we can say, then we can say, come and hear what God has done for me. I love that verse in Psalm, Psalm 66, 16. Then we can say, hey, come and hear what God has done for me. I want to encourage all of you to be here Wednesday, uh, the 7th of February. It's guest worship and, the, and all the, the people in the choir are graduates of Teen Challenge. And I'm going to give a special message from Psalms, but, but come and hear, come and hear what God has done for me. And that's what you do after God breaks you and humbles you and you come out of that furnace of affliction as fine gold. Then you can tell others, look at what God has done for me. That's why in Christian apologetics, I don't know what to say to my neighbor. I don't know what to say. You don't have to worry about it. Just say, this is what God has done for me. Yeah, well, I don't believe the Bible. I don't know what to tell you. This is what God has done for me. Yeah, but men wrote the Bible. I don't know what to tell you, but this is what God has done for me. I believe in evolution and atheism. Well, where's it got you? Let me tell you what God has done for me. I do want to encourage all of you, the making of a man of God or even a woman of God, of course. God often uses a a limp and a thorn. A limp and a thorn, doesn't He? Remember Jacob, after his name was changed, he said, now you're going to be called Israel. Israel. And he was wrestling. Richard Andrews sings that song, I'm not going to go until you bless me. A lot of people don't understand, but the, the, the lyrics are powerful because it's talking about wrestling with God. And Jacob says, I'm not going to go until you bless me. He's not talking about Alexis. Get that out. If God said, Shane, you're not going to make much money, but I'm going to bless you, I would take that over any other thing on planet Earth. Would you not? God's going to walk with me, walk and bless you. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Okay, I'm going to, and now your name has changed to Israel. But, but just so you don't forget, I'm going to do something in your hip joint there. And so he gets up, God bless it, and now he's like, 
Oh. And the family gets home. What happened to you? I don't know about you, but I don't like to explain my limp all the time. Do you? Why are you broken? Why did this happen in your past? And you, you, the shame and the guilt, anybody dealt with that before? The limp and the thorn? You've got the limp. And then Paul said, a messenger from Satan came against me. He buffeted my flesh. So, I'm glad it doesn't say what it is. Because you can apply it to just about anything. And I prayed, Paul prayed, Lord, take this away. Anybody been praying that before? Lord, take this away. Take this away. Take this away. Three times I pleaded. But God said, I'm not going to take it away. That thorn in your flesh is not going to leave. But my grace is sufficient. So as he has this, this, this thorn in the flesh, walking around with it, it could be, you know, people say his eyesight, people say struggle with this lust. Who, who knows? I'm glad, I'm glad we don't know, because, well, that's what Paul dealt, Paul dealt with. Glad I don't have to deal with it. You know, I don't have that issue. Don't you like, oh, I'm glad I'm not like that. You have your issues. Be quiet. Who are you trying to fool? That's so why we should never judge. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they fell again and went to the liquor store. Well, you can't give up caffeine, nicotine, or food. That addiction is addiction. Now, one has worse consequences, but get off your high horse. And so you walk around with that thorn. Maybe people could see if it was his eyesight or something physical. And you're walking around with that reminder. That's not too spiritual. You throw the limp in there. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Anybody? Well, don't put up your hands, but have you ever been divorced? You like carrying that big D around on your forehead? People remember, oh, I remember, remember, I remember that. Who do you think you are in church? That limp. Remember how you blew it? Remember, remember ten years ago? You destroyed your life. People see that limp. Maybe you're in a recovery home. It's embarrassing. Where do you work at? Well, I don't right now. I'm looking. And you carry that limp around. That limp hurts. It's painful. I'll never forget the first time I met Morgan's dad. Six foot five, ex, ex Marine. So what do you do? Um. Live with my mom and work construction. What? You live with your mom at 30? One or whatever? And you dig ditches? You know how humbling that was? He didn't act like that, thank God. But inside I'm thinking, just wait. Just wait. God is preparing me. God broke me down to build me up. And I knew I could see the end. I could see the end of where this was going, obviously. But those embarrassing moments, those limps that will not leave, those thorns, they're there for a purpose to keep us humble. So what you're struggling with, pray that God takes it away. I pray because you don't want to keep falling, but also it's a good reminder of how broken we are. 
how many of you know that story in John 5 where Jesus goes and He heals that man? He heals him. He's on a bed. And Jesus then, after He healed him, said, take up your bed and go. And He's going with His bed. And the Pharisees say, who healed you? Why are you carrying your bed on the Sabbath? Right? He's, got the, he's, he's holding His bed, so... I don't know, that could have been a little embarrassing, right? Like, why are you carrying your bed? What, what, what used to be a, a paralytic or what, what happened to you? And so he's carrying around this bed. And I just started to think how we also do something like that. Divorce, what I just said, it's not what I wanted, people say. But they have to carry around that bed, don't they? It's that reminder. As much as we want to forget about it, we don't want people to know about it. Correct? We don't want people to know about it. We're carrying this around. Abortion. Oh, there's a famous singer now. It was in the news this week. She so regrets ending the lives of her children for fame and fortune. And she's got to carry around that bed. Prodigals. Any parents have kids that aren't living where they need to be living with the Lord? That's painful, isn't it? Very painful. And we say, and I hear it a lot, and I weep with them. I've tried, I try to be a good parent. I try to be a good parent. And they're carrying around that bed. This is a hard one. Honestly, I'm being transparent this morning, too much so maybe. But this is a hard one for me because my, I live in a fishbowl. So any little thing my kids do wrong, it's magnified. And then I have to walk around with the same bed and if you if you if you've had divorce abortion and prodigal then you're carrying a heavy bed and life will begin to weigh you down my health is failing lord i believe but help my unbelief i've got financial failure anybody had a financial failure and been embarrassed you've got to carry that bed around part of the story i didn't tell you 24-hour fitness is in my 20s i had a custom home in quartz hill in my 20s Six figures back in the 1990s. That's not too bad. And God called me. I just had to let everything go. Stock options. Everything go. And it took a while. It took like six months. I went and got an apartment. So I'm not moving with my mom. Heck no. That's too embarrassing. And then after the savings runs down, guess what? I said, Mom, but don't tell, you don't tell anybody I'm living here. And to make money, what I have to do, I had to go grab a shovels and digging bars and dig ditches. I'd, I'd be at people's homes and be like, what are you doing? What? Um, I'm a Christian now. <laughs> what you used to be, what happened to you? Carrying that bed. Don't you hate when your sin is seen by all? This man was carrying his bed around. Broken marriage. I don't know what else to do, Shane. I've tried everything. My marriage is broken. And people know it. They see you and they're, where's such and such? And you carry that bed around. They see you carrying that bed around. Addiction. I keep falling. I keep failing. And people see it. Isn't that embarrassing? Come on, let's be real. You get up in the morning like, what did I do? What happened last night? Oh my God. And people are joking. I'm just glad they didn't have social media when I was partying. Golly. 
poor kids. Man, it's on film forever. And they keep carrying this bed. My sin is in front of everybody. My failure is in front of everybody. What about regret? Anybody say, I wish I could do things over again? And so I thought, why am I still carrying my bed? People think that. Why am I still carrying my bed? Why do I have these reminders? Why do I have this pain? Why do I have this shame? Can anybody relate? It's like we want to look like Superman and super Christian. I've I've straight from straight from seminary. I've done great. I've I've no problems. And look at this. My all five my kids serve the Lord and they're walking with the fullness of the gospel. And I've never no marriage issues. I don't think we've ever argued. Woo! And we feel that way. It's it's why am I carrying? Why am I still carrying this? Why are these reminders here? Why is this pain here? Why is this shame here? Anybody have shame over their past life or what they went through? And Jesus says, yeah, you're still carrying the bed. You're still carrying the bed, but before you met me, the bed was carrying you. Yeah, you're carrying around those things. You're carrying that bed, but before you met me, that bed was carrying you. And we pray, oh God, this morning, take me, break me, and make me. God is the shepherd of the shattered. I think we had up there earlier, Johnny Erickson Tata. Do you know who she is in the wheelchair? She said, God permits what He hates to accomplish what He loves. Let that sink in. God permits what He hates. Something going on in your life. Something breaking you. Something happens. He permits it because He wants to accomplish what He loves. In other words, He wants to help you. He wants to get you through it. He wants to develop you. Matthew 21.44, Jesus said, Whoever falls on this stone, meaning Himself, will be broken in a good way. But whoever it falls, it will grind him to powder. So Jesus is saying, calling them to repentance, fall on this stone, fall on me, let it break you, let it humble you. Because when I come back and I judge the world, if this stone has to fall on you, it's going to grind you to powder. You see, we have a choice, no matter what you believe, technically, sociology-wise, or, or what we, 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 we know that God will judge people based on their decision to accept Him or reject Him. So I think we need to rest in Him. I don't know where you're at this evening or this morning, I should say. Rest in Him. Don't run from Him. Run to Him. How many of you run from God? Run back to Him. That is the key. Repent and return. Repent and return. Too many people think lightly of sin and therefore lightly of their Savior. Don't minimize sin, guys. In a culture now that minimizes sin, we need to put it in its right light. It is disobedience against God. He calls us to repentance. I'm going to leave you with this um, takeaway from John 5. John 5. In John 5, Jesus heals this man. And the man is laying on a bed. And He heals the man. And then He says, okay, take the bed with you. Take this bed and go. So He's walking around with this bed. And the Pharisees see him and go, why are you carrying a bed on the Sabbath? Like, well, these guys, man, unbelievable. Right? Jesus just heals the guy. And it shows the hardness of the heart. So he's carrying around this bed with him after Jesus healed him. And it kind of reminded me of what I, experienced, what I talked about earlier. Divorce as well. Many of you are still carrying around that bed. It's not what I wanted. I didn't mean to end up here. And it's like you have that limp that will not leave, or you have that thorn, or you have that, you're still carrying your bed. I don't want people to see my bed. 
Can you relate? I don't want people to, know, to see my shame. I don't want people to know my story. I don't want people to know my past. Especially in, in people say in this area, what about abortion? I was young. I was young. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to do that. But we have to carry that bed. Prodigals. You have prodigals in your family. You try to be a good parent. Isn't it embarrassing sometimes when the kids don't obey? And you have to, you have to carry that, that bed and you carry that, that shame and, and guilt that you feel. Or financial failure. Anybody have financial failure? It's embarrassing, isn't it? You thought you were all that, you're doing great, and then God begins to remove that area of your life and you have to carry around that bed. Or a broken marriage. So many broken marriages and people come to church and their spouse isn't with them. And they have to say, where's your spouse? Well, we're not, it's not going good right now. The shame, the guilt, they carry that bed. Addiction. I keep falling. I keep failing. Anybody relate? I keep falling. I keep failing. And, 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 and it's shame. Family members know. People know. And, and now you gotta carry, you're still carrying this bed. Can I get rid of this bed? Can I get rid of this bed? I've got so much regret. Why am I still carrying my bed? My, it's my reminder. It's my pain. It's my shame. But here's the thing Jesus says is, yeah, yeah, you're still, you're still carrying your bed. You're still carrying your bed, but before you met me, the bed was carrying you. Big difference. Big difference. So we need to pray that prayer this morning. Oh God, take me, break me, and make me. The sooner you, the sooner you submit to the refining process, the easier it becomes. Oh, it's just saying, Lord, refine me. That's why David said, create me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Lord, break me, humble me. And then as a result, He doesn't leave you in that broken state. He fills you with His Spirit. And then comes tremendous joy and peace. And I, I love that worship song. Out of the ashes I will arise. There's still ashes, but God begins to repair the breach. He begins to shore in all the damage. He begins to rebuild and you come back stronger in the power and presence of God because you know Him as healer. You know Him as deliverer. You know Him as your strong tower. And you can rejoice in that fact. Oh, God bless the broken road that led me straight to the cross. I don't know about you, but without that broken road, I might not be looking to the cross. I might not be leaning on the cross. I might not have ever repented. It's in God's love and grace that He breaks us. And He humbles us. If you're, if you're young and you laugh at this message now, trust me, you'll remember it ten years from now. The mocking tones God will break out of you as well. 